Welcome to the Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast, bringing people together through collaboration, creativity, and community all through the arts. Thank you for joining us this week. I'm your host, Maureen Buscarino, and I hope to inspire you and to help you discover amazing music and artists from around the world. I can't wait to introduce you to today's guest. As with many of the harpists on this podcast, I met Swedish multi-instrumentalist Eric Ask Upmark at the Somerset Folk Harp Festival, which takes place every July in Parsippany, New Jersey. Eric is not only a world-renowned harpist, pipe player, historian, um, historical reenactor, among many other things that we'll discuss in this interview, but Eric has a sense of humor that his audiences and his students love. The music that you're hearing in the background is Polska Presto off of Eric's latest Nordic harp album called Winter is Coming. He also has another new release this year with his medieval ensemble called False Bordone, uh, and the album is 1350, Music for a Plague, with music from the year 1350. So, I don't know if I have ever met a musician who plays and performs music from the 7th century pre-Viking age to playing piano for silent film and DJing music from the 1920s and 30s. So yes, Eric also DJs as DJ Prohibition, playing 78s from the 1920s and 30s on hand-crank gramophones. I also have some exciting announcements coming up for the podcast next week um, and some fun new things that I have in store for all of you to put a smile on your face and music in your ears. So tune in to my next episode for more information or sign up for my newsletter. Just head to my website, moonoverthetrees.com slash podcast to sign on up. Follow me on Instagram um, at Moon Over the Trees. And um, so enjoy this really fun episode. Thank you so much, Eric, for being here with me. Um, and I know we're, I, I hope things are well with you in Sweden. And why don't we just get right into it? And because you are so multi-talented that there's so much to get through and i know i i threw a lot of things at you in my research <laughs> well, so we could well. just you know start with because i met you at the somerset folk harp festival so we could just um start with that and i could actually start with the controversial question that rachel Hare <laughs> gave me for you so which bet which is better the harp or the bagpipes <laughs> mm, yeah, that's, that's that's tricky. I know. Um, <laughs> we, we well, thank, thanks so much for having me. By, uh, by the way, it, it, it's it's uh, really nice. Um, great to see you again. And uh, yeah, so uh, it's it's uh, as you said, I I I do do a lot of different things. It probably probably because I I try to make my living as a freelance musician. And those who have tried that know that it's it's pretty hard to only do one thing, unless you're like like super good at one thing, like playing the violin or something. And if you're uh, really really good, and it's great if you can make li- living with just one thing. For the rest of us, I think it's it's. Uh, I mean, I, I try to be a bit of a jack of all trades, uh, and some things I do better, and some things I I, I am 
I'm impossible with. So uh, it, it's let's see what we what, what comes up here. But but yeah, so I play the harp and the bagpipes, which is is um, I started out playing piano when I was a kid basically. Um, <clears throat> And the piano, of course, they came in handy when I started playing the harp because it's 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 uh, for me that was a big help. Uh, and I also played when I was a kid the recorder because you had to play the recorder if you were like eight and you went to a public school and they stuck your recorder in your hands and, and forced you to to play it basically whether you liked it or not. Maybe it's the same over it there. Is, yeah. um, so it's, it's to this day it still has a very uh, very. Uh, um, problematic reputation uh, the recorder mm. uh, yeah as as over there's maybe too maybe um so and then when i got a chance to try a bagpipes i i was uh, just uh, became totally fell in love with that instrument because it was so much more fun than playing the recorder mm. Uh, that was like a, at a medieval festival, uh, like a, a gazillion years ago, when someone was playing a bagpipe, and I had no idea and uh, what it was. And uh, I, I nagged this guy to build me a bagpipe, uh, and he did eventually. And uh, uh, it was just so fun to play it. And and yeah, and then it's just kept kept going. So it it sort of metastasized and and became a chronicle condition, which is a <laughs> problem for bagpipers sometimes uh so so yeah now i have like i mean i only have four harps but i have probably like 14 bagpipes wow so it's 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 i'm really hard pressed to say what's what's my favorite it depends a lot on 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 the circumstances because they uh as instruments go they tend to complement each other pretty well because uh one is is pretty nice and the other is is not not oh not always so nice. <laughs> I leave you to to figure out which is which. Um, so they they do complement each other very well, uh, both socially but also musically. I mean the combination of harps and bagpipes to play the harp with the bagpipes mm. is is actually a real nice combination. Uh, depending a bit on which type of bagpipes, because when you say bagpipes, people think it's the super super loud type of bagpipes. Uh, but there are tons of other uh, instruments as well, of course. So yeah, so it it, it it's um, uh, in in uh, to uh, to annoy Rachel. I'm I'm I have to say sometimes it is the bagpipes, but but it's uh, <laughs> to carry favor with your listeners. Of course, the harp is is in, it's, it's like choosing be- between your kids. It's just not not possible. So I and and um, out of the bagpipes, I mean, you play the um, you you play the. German yeah, bagpipes, yeah, I, Swedish, I, I play the, a bunch of. I mean, yeah. I I do also play the the big Scottish, the, 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 like the bagpipes that mm. people think of, um, uh, um, but I started out playing something called the Swedish bagpipes, which is most people go, uh, what what is that? Is there is there even such a thing? as a Swedish bagpipe. And so it's actually a pretty cool, it's like an old medieval instrument. It's pretty, pretty primitive bagpipe, really. Um, it's like a, if, if you boil the bagpipe down to its its uh, uh, bare essentials, you get a Swedish bagpipe uh, without all the uh, other fancy stuff that you find on most other pipes. Um, so so from and from there on, yeah, so I played the Swedish pipes and different medieval Renaissance historical instruments, uh, the, the Scottish one, the, the Spanish or the Galician bagpipes, which are sort of vaguely similar to the Scottish one. Um, and and different uh, small pipes, which I, I guess are also pretty uh, familiar in the States, which is different versions of Celtic uh 
bagpipes, which are just not so loud as the, as the the Scottish ones, which were made to so you could play indoors as well with your friends without being evicted, basically. <laughs> So, that's nice. Do you, do you play the the Ilan pipes as well, or uh, uh, I I do have a, a set of Ilan pipes somewhere, but it's it's just it makes my it's like trying to speak Dutch. It's like makes my head hurt because it's just there's like twenty things, things going on at the same time. Yeah, it's exactly. It's yeah. you have to like with certain languages. It's just you have, you just have to make do lots of things at the same time. Uh, Dutch and Danish is like that, and and uh, and. Uh, Certainly, alien pipes. Yeah, it's it's not meant for normal humans to play that. I think you have to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it has. It helps if you have like three hands. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I know many. Um, <laughs> I guess they. Yeah. yeah, they must. They hide them somewhere. I don't know. Exactly. No, it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's quite quite annoying because it, it's definitely my favorite bagpipe to listen to mm. when it's played really well. And uh, I, I've been trying to uh, to to uh, get good at it, but it, it's really hard. It takes a lot of work, and also to keep it in in, in tune perfectly, it takes a lot of work with the, with a reed to oh, fiddle sure. around with that. Because you have to turn the drones on and off with your wrist, right? While you're yeah, no, it's, oh, it's the bellows so, on one, so and then pumping with the other, and then the, 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 the one the one the I have is it's quite simple because it's actually it's just uh, it's uh, called a practice set uh, or, or or called the the goose. Because it looks like a goose. It's because it's a, it's a or or a castrated bagpipe. It's a bagpipe without any. Okay. Well, no, it does have a bag, but it doesn't have any drones. So so it's just a, a melody chanter basically. Uh, but I, I tried a full set a couple of times, and uh, full set that means you have the melody, you have the the drones that do their they take care of themselves. But then you have the regulators, which are essentially drones that you can play with your elbow, because that Ilian pipe is sort of means oh, probably okay. elbow pipes. Okay. So you can play right. them with your with your right elbow, and you can shift. And even when you play it masterfully, it tends to sound a bit like an accordion. Hmm. So it's 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 a it's it's a lot of hard work, and unless you get it really really right, it, it's it, it it's it's uh, yeah, just just a lot of work. Mm. And this the Swedish pipes is there just one drone, and then the chanter? yeah, it's just yeah, the original okay. version is just one single drone and one chanter with with a pretty primitive re- like a clarinet type reed. So it makes a quite different sound than the Scottish one. It's much more soft and and a bit a bit more nasal sounding. Sounds a bit more like a medieval instrument. Uh, and and uh, yeah, just one drone and uh, uh, and only uh, well the same range as a Scottish bagpipe actually. But you can play in in it, the traditional. It's one of the few bagpipes in the world that uh, probably was tuned to a set to a minor scale. Mm. Usually you get a, a major like a happy scale. But the Swedes are, of course, we, we our national pastime has always been brooding. <laughs> so our, our instruments tend to, uh, like the Swedes themselves, tend to have a better time if you sort of wallow in uh, in uh, in melancholy, basically. Great. Which, which is why we're coping pretty good with the with the crisis. It's like someone said that it's good when this social distancing thing ends, and uh, you know, instead of being you know six feet away from people, we can go back to being ten feet away from people, which were how we had it be- before the, the Corona crisis. So that is always. Yeah. I mean, so- social distancing was a Nord- Nordic feature long ago be- before it been, be- became cool in the rest of the world, basically. So we, we did that like hundreds of years ago. All oh, right, you all. Thanks for thanks for being uh, the pioneers of that. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. No, it's 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 been. We, I think we perfected the art of social distancing up here. Excellent. So it's, it's, and of course, bagpipes. Bagpipes are a big help to to socially distance yourself. Obviously, that is yeah. true. I, I, mean, I was talking to uh, 
Tristan uh, Legov, um, and he was saying Legovic, yeah, Legovic, sure. And we were talking about the um, the bombard and how high pitched or the sure, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So, the the French oh, and the French um, the bombard and the binu, which is the the, binu, the, the Breton. I shouldn't say French because the, the Breton people would kill me. They they are Breton, not French, which mm-hmm. is a totally different thing to them. Um, so yeah, the the, the Breton bagpipe, the binu, uh, is basically covered under the Geneva Convention because it, it's <laughs> Like one octave or two octaves pitched above the the Scottish bagpipe, right? Uh, at one octave, I think. But it, it, it's extremely shrill and and um, and uh, makes a lot of noise. So yeah. So you don't do you play that to keep people away? Also, where you? Uh, I, I did oh, have one of those okay. pipes, and it got stolen, unfortunately. And uh, then I never really. Um, well, my wife wouldn't let me get a new one, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she in stolen, disguise. yeah. We all know what happened with that one. But I, I saw the video um, of of you and your wife like playing the pipes together that you were posting on Facebook. Yeah. So all your Facebook lives. Yeah. She, she, I mean, I'm yeah. We, we, my my wife also makes uh, music mostly for. We had to change a bit over the last years because we also have small kids, so we couldn't work as much and go on tour as much as we did back in the good old days. So uh, she has a lot of, of kids show kids shows uh, for for schools and stuff. Uh, but but she also does a lot of, of work by her by herself. She's called Anna Rynefors, by the way. She's a person in her own right, actually. Uh, and um, she, we, yeah, we play the, the, the bagpipes uh, together on, on, on the, the cold, long winter evenings. Uh, that's what we do. She, she was supposed to be in, in the States right now for a, like a long, uh, a really uh, massive tour of uh, libraries with a Viking-themed kids show that is really cool. It's about uh, like a dragon slayer, but it's, it's, a, it's a Sig- Sigrid the dragon slayer, basically, the oh, a girl that slays dragons. So it's, it's a really cool show. Oh, wow. Uh, that unfortunately, of course, got, got cancelled, so... So that's something for the future. We do a lot of concerts together, and uh, but we, we just had to shift a bit, so we work. I, I do a lot of more things by myself, mm-hmm. like solo work, uh, as, as does she these days, because we have the kids are in, in school, so we can't really go away, travel away for that long. We have to be back by Sunday evening. Sure, uh, sure. So, oh. so it makes it a bit more complicated to live as as freelancing musicians of course when you first saw the you just saw the bagpipes or you heard someone playing them and then that's what inspired you to yeah yeah i I just got it was a it was a a great one of the best medieval festivals uh, anywhere everywhere it's it's, uh, called the the medieval week uh, on an island of gotland you can look it up on on the map it's it's the middle of the baltic sea Uh, it belongs to sweden technically but it's 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 has its very own nation feel to it and they every year in august for the last uh, 30 years there's been a a medieval week where the thousands of people come there and everyone dresses up in in medieval clothes and and come to the concerts and we we've been playing there now for um, for many years and uh yeah so when i was like maybe 16 years old i was there for the first time and and then when i catch this this uh, great uh, swedish a very famous swedish uh, musician who plays uh, hurdy-gurdy which mm-hmm. is you know another drone instrument and also the the bagpipes so yeah i, I pestered him for <clears throat> some time to, to to get an instrument from him because back then i mean this was in the 90s probably 1990s uh, it was really hard to get an instrument like that 
Uh, and the harps, I, I don't think I, I probably paid the bagpipes before the harp. Uh, like maybe five years later, I had a friend who who built a harp, and then I, I, I so that's how, how I came to harps. And that was a pretty actually on that actually that was a pretty horrible harp. Looking back to it, because it was made made of with strung with fish line green. Oh. Wow. Fish, fish line with this, the same gauge all over the, the range, so it sounded pretty bad. But it was also, like with the bagpipes, it was just so fun to play it. Uh, and then, then eventually I, I could upgrade it to a, a better harp. But it, it, it was still, I mean, it doesn't really matter if you have a bad instrument uh, as long as it's fun to play it. And maybe you don't know better when it's, when you started out start out on it. So so I, I just had a good good time playing harps and bagpipes. And then I just, you know, st- stuck with it. And at that time, I was, like most people, I had a big uh, love for Celtic music uh, and thought, as most people do, of the harp and the bagpipes as being, you know, the quintessentially Celtic instruments, obviously. And it was only later that I realized that there are actually pretty cool traditions of both instruments uh, here in Sweden, in the, in the Nordic countries as well, which is pretty, uh, quite apart really from, from the more famous uh, Celtic traditions. So, yeah. Hmm. And um, were the original harps, were they wire strung um, or were they... Um, Here in Sweden, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the old, I mean, there is there is a one big tradition of harp playing in the Nordic countries, which is in in Norway, uh, which is sort of has it's almost died out in the 19th century, like most traditions uh, of unusual instruments, like the bagpipe. Also, uh, sort of there was a break in tradition when the last player uh, died, and it had to be revived, or the the, the pipes had to be sort of exhumed, as it were. Uh, and this, this, it's a bit the same with the harps. So uh, in, in Norway, there's a really cool tradition of uh, like accompanying yourself on pretty big harps, uh, big instruments, um, and they would be strung with gut strings probably back in the good old days. The really old one would, would have like horse hair strings. Hmm. Um, and uh, but I don't think we had metal strings here because it's quite complicated to make metal strings and, and we were almost basically just poor peasants up here so we would just use whatever uh, met- whatever uh, materials we could find basically so yeah well it makes sense got strings with the hunter you know gather with the bow and and an arrow and yeah exactly the, exactly there, there's a really cool like an old welsh harp tradition where you have a harp with um with a soundboard made not of wood as it usually is but but a leather hmm. uh hide that you stretch out and you nail it so it's a bit like a banjo it sounds a bit like a banjo oh. too actually um and it also has horsehair strung strings um and of course here up in in uh, the scandinavia we have uh Actually, the tradition is pretty strong for lyres and especially bowed lyres. Mm. So, like a lyre with with only three or four strings, that would be plucked, or or as I mentioned, bowed, and those would be and, and that works really well if you have um, uh, horsehair strings. You just uh, tie them together and uh, twist them into different gauges, mm. and then you play also with with a bow of horsehair. So it's just a matter of using the same. Um, material for the bow as, as for the strings. Do you, do you play that as well, or the, the lyre? yeah? Well, I, I I cheat away a bit on a bowed lyre, and uh, that's so. Anna, my wife, she plays. Um, she started out playing violin, and so she's sort of into more uh, uh, bowed instruments, and I I take more uh, control of the 
the stringed. I, I like to have one string per one note per string, like you have on the harp. Right. I, I like that layout. It's very <laughs> practical because you see whatever you see all the strings. So I, I mean, I, I I can use. It's like a friend of mine said that I, you you can play some instruments and you can use some instruments. It's not the same thing, really. Oh. Uh, so I can play the harp, but I, I, I like a guitar. I can only use a guitar. Uh, I never really understood. Uh, I, I never cracked the code of the guitar mm. uh, because you have you have this. You have to be able to think three dimensionally. You have to think this is a G a D string, and you're supposed to get like ten notes out of a single string. That's sort of anathema to harp players. Right, right. Yeah, as you go down, the sound goes up. As you go. Yes, exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> that's weird. It, it's, <laughs> so I'm more of a I'm more of a piano slash harp. Well, kind of person. Sense going from a piano to the harp because I think it's a much more natural transition. I started on the piano too, sure. so you know oh, yeah, it's like cool. you know, and especially since the harp now has the right hand in the treble, it's just an easy transition yeah, to oh, exactly. from here to here. Okay, great. And then so, the, right, exactly. So, so, some people say that it it influences your way of of playing. That it, it's it's uh, some people think it's a, a, a bad thing. That you come from the piano because you sort of think of the harp as a as a naked as a stripped down piano, and you would uh, approach it in the same way. Which which I mean doesn't have to be a bad thing, uh, in, especially with your left hand. If you 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 uh, maybe you do the same kind of accompaniment patterns that you would on a piano. I'm I'm not sure if that's true, but it's I mean. Uh, but definitely, when when you start out on on the harp, I would say it, it's it it helps if you have had some some contact with a with a piano before. And if you play the piano and the and the guitar a bit, you're you're home free because you then you have the bit of the, the you used to touching strings with your fingers as well. So yeah, true. Yeah, I think what got me when I was going from piano to harp was the reverse fingering. Because on the piano, yeah, one two yeah, three exactly. four is up, but four three two one is up on the harp. So I think that's oh, what yeah. like was a little you know, for, for me to get used to. And then, but since I have small sure. hands, not using my pinky, and then since I have smaller hands, sure. I'm like, oh, I can play a tenth on the harp. I can't do that on the piano yeah, as exactly. easily. Exactly. So. Yeah, no, same here, same here. Uh, and and uh, going back to the Norwegian harp, that wouldn't really work because it, it's, a, it's a big harp. It looks, it's sort of a, as big as a normal Celtic harp, uh, but it only has usually 15, 16 strings. Oh, okay. So mu much less than the usual 32 or 36 strings you find on, on a harp, hmm. which means that the spacing is really, really far apart. Um, so it's, it's playing one of those, is, is it takes a totally different technique. Um, no one really knows why, but it's, you, you probably never really played like quick virtuosic pieces on it. You would use them for accompanying, for for uh, singing and, and telling stories probably. Mm. Um, so it's it's. I, I don't have one of those instruments really uh, uh, yet, but I would love to get one. Uh, so if anyone there has a Norwegian harp you want to sell, just, you know, let me know. <laughs> I'm not out. sure if there are any Norwegian harps in the States because they are, they're all being made, of course, in, in Norway. Uh, I so I haven't know. seen any of those. I'm, maybe someone has one squirreled away somewhere. I, who well, there is, there, there, there is a wonderful harp player called Nancy Thum. Nancy Thum. Hmm. Um, she's from, from the States, actually, but she lives in, in Germany. Uh, she's very involved with the Historical Harp Society, which is an American uh, thing. Uh, and she, she is like uh, the Norwegian harp player. So she has she has one of those really cool ones which has two soundboards. So where you would have the the, the soundboard in the normal place, but then where the pillar goes up on a normal harp, mm. there is another soundboard. Oh wow! Or a sound box, I would say two sound boxes. Huh. Um, so you have which is kind of really weird. 
which makes it impossible to hold it in a normal harp way. So you either you place it on your lap like you would with a with a with a zither, mm. and you play it from from above, so to speak, or you you just put it on on the table, or you 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 put it on in. It looks very peculiar when you play it like that, and and it's just and it's, it creates a nice sound because you have a two, two sound boxes, so it's sort of a stereo effect, which oh, is. Yeah. It's a bit unusual. Is there a name for it, or uh... yeah, it's called um, either it's called the 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 like the peasant harp, the bund bundharpe, uh, or the the krug harpe, which is krug means is crook or or lever, probably, okay. or it can also mean in Norwegian it can also mean uh, like the pub. So we're not sure if it means that it was fitted with levers or if you were supposed to play it in the pub. I, I, I opt for the latter, obviously. Yes, of course. So. <laughs> the, the harp, you, so going to the pub and you bring your harp, you know, that's that's a nice nice image. That, that, I like that too. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then do you so, also... Yeah, so, Oh, sorry, that's, sorry. that's the Norwegian harp. So, I mean, in, in Sweden, we have uh, lots of, of um, depictions on in churches, murals from the Middle Ages of harps. Uh, and the occasional harp pops up now and then at an old attic somewhere. Uh, and there are lots of uh, allusions to harp players, and, and of course also lyre players. If you go back to the to the Viking Age, like mm-hmm. a thousand years ago, when we know that that uh, harp, small harps, and especially lyres were were like the instrument of choice for for the Vikings, who, who um, accompanied it to to their uh, long. Uh, it, um, like uh, epo epo epos, uh, can you say that? Like uh, the 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 myths, uh, you oh, know, the, the, the epic poems. And uh, yeah, the epic also. poems. Thank yes. you, thank you very oh, much. Sure. Uh, which, of course, in turn inspired Tolkien for Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and all these things. So most people are very well aware, familiar with these uh, old Viking things these days you just don't know it and you just think maybe you don't think of it as being like old norse uh sagas and legend but but all these things that that tolkien writes about in all the rings and and then also in in modern iterations you you find in in the old uh viking poems basically oh sure yeah and all the the norse gods are becoming more popular nowadays too yeah and yeah, all the, that's right. the i mean it's all exactly this, yeah. it's been it's been a, a staple in in heavy metal music for for quite yes. some time the songs of asgard or the you know something like that yeah or even like Thors. led zeppelin with uh, the oh no he, they talked about mordor and and tolkien so never mind so yeah <laughs> so, Exactly. <laughs> um, so, do you also play the the um, the medieval the, the braid harp too, or? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I don't. I, I have a I have a gothic harp uh, uh, right now built by um, uh, uh, maybe uh, um, Lewandowski. Do you know her? She's a um, harp maker. I think she's still around. She used to live on the on the east coast. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't have any braid pins. So I, I'm I'm looking for one with uh, really uh, good bray pins set up. And for those of you who don't know, so the bray pins is a feature of uh, most, I would say, late medieval to Renaissance harps. You always on uh, in, on pictures, you almost always fi- see little um, things attached to the strings, mm. which are called bray pins, and they they make uh, a buzzing sound. So it, it makes your harp sound basically like a 1980s synthesizer, uh, which, you know, is a good or a bad thing, depending on... Was there a reason behind that, or is that just to to accent the dances, or...? Yeah, I, I think, I think yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I think it most because the harp did have a pretty different social role 
back in the day. Um, for one thing, it was was definitely more of a guy's instrument. Like you, uh, it was like a macho instrument, mm. uh, and it was con- even. I mean, it is today in some cultures, like in South American harping, of course, in uh, in in the in the South American music style, there are. Almost each country in South America has its own harp. Uruguay and Paraguay are the two big harp nations. But Colombia also has a big harp tradition. And they're almost exclusively played by, by guys. I haven't, I never met actually a single uh, female South American harp player. Mm, I, so there is still a very macho culture. Probably was, because it was imported from Spain in the 17th century. And, and um, it, it just kept kept that association. Unlike in Europe, where, where you know, in the 18th century, it sort of became uh, moved into the drawing room and it became this, this very nice parlor instrument that, mm. that was fitted for, for, a, for a lady. Um, and back in the Middle Ages, I would think it would, would have been used much more as also as a dance instrument. And, uh, and then it makes sense to have these brapins because they really accentuate the rhythm and uh, makes it also you can hear it in a totally different way uh, on top of other instruments uh, like in an ensemble it's more of a percussive instrument also which is pretty cool mm. you get this this buzzing sound uh, and and today when you hear it on recordings it's usually used on like one or two of the bass strings uh, like an accompaniment but uh, as I said on all pictures uh, from like the fifth, 14th 15th century on to the 16th 17th century you see these little breakpins over all uh, uh, across uh, all strings so mm. they, I think they were used uh, and it was also it's described quite interesting so in, in the 17th century someone who plays the harp without the breakpins attached and uh, the, the person who describes it this was in England I think says that it was amazing because the harp sounded just like a lute with a very soft sound hmm. uh, and not how this person would have associated otherwise with the harp with a more oh. buzzing uh, percussive sound so I think totally different than what we uh, think of the harp as, as today true true uh, interviewed uh, Nicholas Carter uh, about the Paraguayan oh, yeah. harp and he was saying that uh, now the tradition there are more women who are starting to pick up the harp now too so oh, cool. you may see more women playing that harp now too but um, yeah yeah. But yeah, that's interesting about the the braids because when people first hear it, um, they're very taken aback by yeah, yeah. how it sounds because exactly. it's very like in your face. Like, yeah, I guess if if you were like a metalhead back then, that would probably be your instrument of choice. So. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like in the forest, definitely. like. You know. it, it's kind of hard to set it up because it's this little tiny little wooden thing, uh, wooden peg that that connects with your with your string, and it has to be fitted in the right way. So it's 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 a bit uh, tricky. There there's um, interesting uh, uh, also in English sources from the 17th century. There was supposedly you can see from from uh, you know this lists of people being paid for different jobs. There was a job in London in the 17th century called fitter of fitter of braypins. Oh. The braypin fitter wow. would be a, you, you could you could so you could you would leave your harp to this guy and he would he would adjust your braypins and that's that's all that's the only thing he would do. I mean he could probably fix it as well if there was a crack in it or something. But but he he was called the the bray pin fitter wow so 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 it was quite important i think for, for harpists to have their bray pins uh, all in a row as it were yeah yeah oh that's, that's uh, and, I, and, and t- today there are some some cool uh, bohemian harps uh or such central european style harps which has a uh, um, it's a whole uh row of bray pins that you just slide oh. uh, that are all fitted to a special to a row that you sort of slide onto the harp so you can 
take them off and take them on uh, like on a, in, in in one second basically so that's really cool uh, oh, I, I really wanted to get one of those because that would be pretty cool yeah yeah that would be and you also play double strung harp too or yeah yeah okay, I, okay. I have a arpa doppia which is like an italian late renaissance baroque harp um which I, I can't recommend for anyone if you're either cross-eyed <laughs> uh, or, or if you just have, you know, the, the normal uh, brain because it, it makes you, when you're used to playing Celtic harp, uh, it's a whole new level when you have a chromatic row. Basically, it's you have the normal row of strings mm. uh, and then there's another uh, row of strings in parallel with all the chromatics. So oh, you, in theory, wow. you just pinch your finger through to get a chromatic note, which sounds pretty easy, but it, it's it's just it's really hard to play, um, mm. and it, it opens up a whole new area of possibilities to to make mistakes, which is very annoying on the harp because you know if your the harp is diatonic, obviously, so if you play a wrong note, it's not that wrong usually, but sure. on on the double row harp, it it can be a wonderfully extremely wrong note, so you have to be more. More, more top on your game to do it, and also to just to focus on the strings when you start playing is really hard because uh, you have this um, this uh, 3D effect on the harp, mm. which is kind of hard in, at first. And that's different than the cross-strung harp, right? Or is yeah, that, yeah, that's it, right. That's that's okay. that's more popular today. Yeah, for 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 um, double-strung harps are usually cross-strung, which is the the Spanish tradition, the the mm. arpa de dos ordenes, uh, as we call in in Spain, where you have the the harps intersecting at a certain point um, and so this is the Italian style that I have which where the strings are in parallel so they, they never actually cross each other they just run run parallel to each other basically so it's it's yeah quite different techniques with the Spanish one you can if you have your hands far apart they don't really come um, come close to the other row of strings and if you play in the middle of the harp where you usually play with your hands you, you are pretty close to both the rows Hmm. Of, of strings so so it takes a bit of a different style definitely yeah, yeah yeah no it sounds like a lot of fun to kind of figure out you know how to wrangle it or, yeah yeah no it, 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 it is it really is and, and um, I think the thing is that cross-strung harps and uh, double-strung harps they don't really have levers because it's hard to find a space for the levers so if you play like Celtic music and you play in, in a, you need a F-sharp or something in theory you would just pinch the finger to get that F-sharp but it's when you play really quick it's much easier on a lever harp where you, you know you just mm. change the tuning with the lever so it's it depends on the music you're playing if you play like renaissance music where where the accidentals change quite often it's 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 it's, it's actually that would be easier uh much much easier on a on a double strung harp hmm. but folk harp uh, folk music which is usually stuck a bit more in in one key or in one mode it's easier on the on the lever harp so that's why harpists probably also get uh you you, you know you start with one harp and then you get two and then it's a slippery slope to, to your own <laughs> harp so basically so, yes yeah. yeah especially like when there there's there's a showroom of harps from like all around yeah, the like, world like, like like somerset like, oh. uh, the big showroom at somerset is yeah. like a, you know it's it's really um it's like purgatory for harpists <laughs> because it's you go there and it's all these choices and i want one of these and i have have got to have one of these and exactly. yeah it's really 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 mean it, for them to put all those choices I, I, together your latest album is winter is coming speaking of like game of thrones yeah and everything, yeah so. <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, i i stole i stole the, the the title from a famous tv show or well, not not the t- but but from a from a line from a famous tv show um 
and yes. and I also because I, I one of the things I do when I play the harp is to to uh, I call myself the, the the Nordic harper or or the Nordic harp music because there are so many Celtic harpists mm. and Celtic music and really really great Celtic harpists obviously um, so I, I just like to 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 uh, point to some other traditions as well uh, so so yeah the, the the Nordic harp uh, is the the theme of the or the the, the like the, the the Nordic Harp Volume One or something like that, and then there's the the, the, the yeah they call the CD Winter is Coming, and there's a, a picture of me uh, where I drag the harp uh, through snow, yes. which most <laughs> infuriates most harpists. And what did you do to your poor harp? <laughs> so I I, I I should have I, I put a disclaimer sometimes saying that no harps were harmed <laughs> during the shooting of this photo. Yes. Um, so I probably should have included that on the, on the CD as well, a bit more clear because it, it's actually photoshopped. Uh, I, I did have the harp on a sled out in the snow, and it did fall over once, so it did get some snow on it. But I did brush brush it off quite quickly afterwards, and then I, I photoshopped in, it photoshopped it into a, a picture of a. Once when I had a workshop in the middle of January up in Norway, uh, I, I took a photo of a, a wonderfully, extremely photogenic Norwegian forests mm. with lots of snow coming off the off the boughs of the trees, and I just put that together. So it looks like I dragged the harp out in the middle of the forest, but it was actually shot in in the back of of our yard. <laughs> it's a it's a great so picture. I, I, yeah, I could take it inside and and and, and yeah, blow dry it. <laughs> it survived, so it's it's still talking it, to it, you. Yeah, so it, it's, it's good. Survived. <laughs> and it's it, it's it's a it's a it's a Ravenna from the Dusty Drinks harp, and I knew oh, right. that they had they crash tested their Ravennas by by dropping it from like one and a half yard of a fight onto a concrete floor. Did they really? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure if they do it, they probably oh, wow. don't do it with the ones that are are going out for sale. I don't think, but they did. <laughs> I know they did it for for the for the first for the for the like um, uh, for the prototype. Wow. They crash tested it in a lot of the uh, Ray Morse there told me about the story of the crash testing of of the Ravenna harp and and it's it's not for the faint of heart because it's I'm yeah. I'm used to to handling in my harps uh, but someone who is taking very good care of their harps would probably be pretty aghast at at, the, at that but but it was just you know in in in, in for a good, for a good cause to to make sure that it can withstand a certain amount of of trauma harp mm. trauma. Uh, no, that's a nice so, harp because it's 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 very easy to carry around and it's. Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it it's a great nice harp. Sound, it's, it's a very good so. travel harp. It's 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 a compact and and, it, and it's very sturdy. So yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, their their harps are really well made, and and, and you know Ray and mm. and uh, and Sue are such great people too. So um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, most harp, most harp makers t- tend to take very well care of their customers, but but the, the dusty strings people are, are certainly uh, in in a league of their own. So oh, yeah, they definitely. definitely are. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. Um, yeah, they started. Uh, they're doing like classes online out of Seattle too. So, um, oh yeah, that's right. And and uh, yeah, actually, I spoke with with um, with them just the other day, probably about possibly making a bit of a guest appearance at their uh, the Harp Seattle thing in, in oh, uh, this 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 fall because uh, I, I I obviously I can't go there, couldn't go there uh, even before the uh, pandemic. I, I couldn't uh, come in the autumn, but but so maybe now I'll yeah I'll just do a, a video workshop or something for them. We'll, we'll see, but that would be would be great. It's it's also one of my favorite Harp festivals for sure. Mm. Oh, that's terrific! Oh, that's fun um, so we'll see yeah so yeah so yeah, I mean, yeah one of the good sides of this whole thing is of course that it, it has increased our, our everyone's online uh, 
persona. We have become much more accustomed to to doing these things over Zoom and, and Messenger and what, what have you. So that's true. And then we, you could keep your social distance, distancing like you like. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, when we go back to our normal life, eventually, we, probably it, it will be we can still do a bit of the this and and just combine the best of both worlds. We just have to to get there eventually. Yeah, I'm thankful we have this technology that we can do this. So and also for I mean for harpists, it, it is a bit of a bummer to travel with with your you know to just to bring your harp on, on a plane has always been a, a big oh, uh, sure. nuisance obviously so your bagpipe bonanza that's that's the show that you do with your your wife on uh, yeah Facebook the on bagpipe the- bonanza the, the, <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, I should call it the, the bagpipe palooza uh, oh, last concert yeah. because uh, yeah so i had, had, had to come up with a new name yeah we, we started doing like every friday uh, evening we do a, a concert a streamed concert from from our home uh, and now we've done like 12 or 13 of them and they're all still on, on uh, my Facebook page and the Facebook page of my uh, different groups, uh, which we'll probably talk about a bit later, the Rome and Falso Bordone. Uh, and you can probably leave links there because it's yes. kind of hard to, to understand what I'm saying when it, because it's weird words. Uh, but yeah, so, so we every Friday we play a, like a 45 minute concert uh, and it's been harp solo and bagpipe solo and... Uh, uh, and our, our all our different folk music settings. Mm. So yeah, so but yeah, two bagpipe solo concerts now. It's a bit of a nerdy, nerdy concert for those who are into that. But it's it's, it's quite fun as well to be able to to do what, whatever you want basically. It's sure. great. Yeah, I, um, I have friends that are in. I don't know if you have this by you, but it's called the um, Society for Creative Anachronism. Oh yes, very you well. do. I know them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, they. I, I have a lot of friends that are involved with that and the Pensick War and you yeah, know yeah. all that. Yeah, kind we, of we, thing, we played so. at Pensick uh, oh, many years ago. Oh. Yeah, back in two thousand seven, I think it was great, just wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, I. I, I, I my friends are completely be into into all your your concert your bagpipe. Oh really? Oh cool. So, cool. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they it's, like. It's, it's, the, the, yeah, they even have this the, the digital ren fair. Uh, you may have heard about it. It's oh a, no. It's 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 just called the digital run fair. You can probably Google it and find it, and and going to make an appearance there as well uh, eventually. So it's 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 going on now. I think the it's basically a run fair with Renaissance fair with uh, with uh, performers uh, and also being streamed on on Facebook. Oh, that's great. Yep, there's one. Uh, there's a New York run fair up by me. Um, oh yeah. That yeah. It, it always confuses me because they have like a lot of medieval things going on but then they have all the renaissance stuff and then yeah. they have shakespeare <laughs> and know. i'm like what year do you want <laughs> exactly no it's, it's i mean the, the american renaissance fair thing is it's it's a thing of its own really it's 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 uh, uh, it's, it's quite especially a thing like pensic which is mm. so the pensic wars which is probably the biggest uh event uh in north america i think for renaissance yeah. fairs uh, and, uh it used to be like 15 20 000 people went there um in July every year, so I assume it's cancelled this year. I'm not sure how they. I assume it is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and but then I mean, when you get that amount of people, you get the whole. Uh, so many people who are recreating everything from Viking Age mm-hmm. up until the 19th century Civil War era, basically, and it's all. Uh, it, it, and and you get also the really the really uh, n- um, serious people who we recreate the year 1482 
uh, October, fourth mm. of October, right. at nine p.m. in the morning, <laughs> with their persona. in a small village in northern Bohemia. <laughs> and that's that's what we do. It's extremely lim- uh, narrow, uh, yes. yeah. and and serious. And then you have the people doing, yeah, sure, you know, pirates and Vikings. <laughs> it's it's all good. You know? Yeah, uh, and I, I kind of kind of like that because you, you get a very broad spectrum of of historical. But it, it can be confusing when you like a Pensic when you have uh, like uh, yeah, tenth century uh, barbarians interacting with nineteenth uh, century uh, yes. aristocrats. It, it <laughs> makes for a very it's quite quite interesting, definitely. Yes, yeah, I, I have uh, my friends are into the 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 fighting, so there's they're they do all the heavy weaponry and oh, yeah. make their own sure. chain mail and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And no, I mean, the, I started out back in the 90s. We had the SEA in Sweden as well. And uh, that's where, where I started out with the with, um, historical reenactment, basically, uh, with, with the clothes and stuff. And I wasn't so much into fighting, but more, yeah, clothes and, and his history in general. And then, uh, the, so the music became sort of a, a way of, of uh, getting into that. Because, I mean, m- music is, is a great way of getting into a, a certain mood, if it's, you know, a, 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 a psychological mood or, or a historical mood. I mean, it, it sets the... the, the the setting and the mood in, in a way that few other things can do so and I discovered doing that was really fun and also to help to create that mood for other people who uh, to recreate uh, like a medieval feeling so that's that's how I got into the whole early music scene basically yeah no, I love because you have the banquets and then you have then you can have the musicians sure, yeah, at banquets the banquets and the dancing and, the dance, and yeah. it's, it's great fun it just it's brings just history to life it's it's it's, it's fantastic yeah. so yeah. absolutely yeah I can recommend everyone to check out that if, if you have interest for history definitely yeah yeah i agree um so do you like we'll talk about the medieval music like while we're here and and i know i'm gonna mispronounce this so um (laughs) the the drum yeah the drum um with with an an a an a with a ring over which means drum with the umlaut uh but but it has the added bonus of of being of the scottish people uh think it's uh we're called dram like a a wee dram which means a small drink right Uh, a dram of whiskey um so people always um treat us to to a small dram because we call that when we play there so that's that's great it's an uh, unexpected bonus but yeah drone it's actually the same word as drone uh which which i'm i'm tend to do right now drone on oh. uh, okay. <laughs> so um uh, you know a, a long sustained note a drone uh which you find on the bagpipes and you can play drones on your harp as well if you if you're a bit lazy you just stick to playing one note it's it's great fun mm-hmm. that's uh, instant accompaniment basically uh, and uh, so yeah so we call ourselves drone after an old name of the swedish bike pipe it was called drone pipe uh, back in the day mm. uh, and and uh, and it looks also vaguely nordic with a with a umlaut a drone yes. yeah you were awarded the master musician of the realm in yeah, Sweden. it's 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 uh, you know it's 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 a <laughs> it's a thing in Swedish folk music where you can you 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 play uh, S- Swedish folk music is very um, uh, based on learning the tunes from the older musicians and you, you pass on the tradition. It's like a, a, a an oral hereditary hereditary. You don't well you you just pass it pass the tradition on basically. Um, so and. There's a, a, an award basically that uh, was inst- instituted like 120 years ago, 
uh, where if if you play uh, folk music instruments, if you play it really well, and you are uh, maybe more importantly skilled in, in passing on the tradition and, and talking about the tradition and the old uh, ways of playing music and so on and. Uh, yeah, you can get uh, three different degrees of this award. You can get a, a bronze medal, a silver medal, and a, a gold medal. And the gold medal is awarded just once a year to a, a one specific musician. Um, but the other ones you have to play and sort of present your music and, and present yourself to a jury, and they award you with different uh, stages of, of these different uh, awards. And if you get the silver award, uh, you you can get you can call yourself sort of. Uh, well, it's called Riksspelman, which means sort of a, the Riks, the, the, the it's the, the the nation or the real ra, the realm. It's sort of a um, older sounding uh, word, and uh, Spelman is uh, sort of a musician, but it, it's also one of those words which is impossible to uh, translate because it means it sort of incorporates a lot of different roles. If you're a Spelman, you you just you don't just play music. You sort of uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of different roles in society that comes with being a, a spelman. Hmm. Uh, so and and you have to show that you understand this and and talk about that bit and and uh, so yeah. So I and you, also you choose your instruments. So most people choose the fiddle because that's the big uh, traditional instrument here. We have a few others like nyckelharpa, hmm. the the keyed fiddle, which is a unique Nordic instrument, and uh, different flutes, uh, clarinets. Uh, and so on, and also the bagpipe. So the Swedish bagpipe is considered a traditional instrument, and so that's that's what I used. And also Anna played also on the Swedish bagpipe. And, and we there are now I would I'm not quite sure how many there are. There are probably around ten, maybe twelve uh, Riksspelmen, master musicians of the realm, on 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 this instrument on bagpipes, and and a couple of hundred, uh, maybe six seven hundred on that had done it on on fiddle. So, so it's, a, it's a small, small, small amount of people who who play the the bagpipes. So would the 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 spielmen be anything like the the harpist that would play for the Taoiseachs in Ireland? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It, it's so. yeah. Exactly. It's it's a it, it's more much more akin to that, to the old uh, Irish way of like a harper uh, than than an, um, I mean the the word musician sounds very clinical. Uh, Sort of, and and, and uh, so like a, a bard almost would be a, maybe a better. Um, of course, today there are very few people who can make the living being bards or full time spielmen. Mm. Um, so you have to compromise usually. Um, but uh, but it's it, yeah, it's 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 just very interesting uh, historical. Uh, the the aspects of, of the historical thing are very interesting as well, and it also connects the the that. Um, that approach to it is is one of those that connects Nordic and Celtic music because I sometimes get asked what's what's the difference mm. between Celtic music and Nordic music and you know there are lots of or maybe, maybe I'm not sure if you want to go there right sure, now. Sure, yeah, what? absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah, open up it. that can of worms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, uh, so so someone someone once a very wise man I don't know who said that Nordic music is like. Celtic music, but with an emo attitude. <laughs> uh, it's like more emotionally uh, uh, com- complex music than Celtic music, maybe, uh, or, or or Celtic music with with a like if you're really depressed and you play Celtic music and then you get Nordic music. I'm, I'm not sure that's true because there's a lot of extremely happy tunes here mm. as well. 
So it's, um, it's like if Robert Smith from The Cure took on some Irish yeah. tunes or something. Yeah, exactly. So if, if, if you play a happy jig in, in a sort of a Robert Smith kind of way and you get this very emo way of interpreting it, okay. uh, there are there's some truth to that, absolutely. But I mean, back in the back in the old days, you didn't have these, even before you had nation, the, 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 the nations and the nation states and their borders. I mean, to this day, obviously, music is one of those cool things which, which does transcend all borders. I mean, that's, it's like sounds like a cliche to say but it's 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 true and you find uh in the nordic countries and everywhere you are uh, you find how the music uh well traditional music i would say it sort of gradually changes uh, geographically uh, and in chronologically as well but geographically so in sweden you have a certain amount of certain type of tunes and when you come closer to norway uh, those tunes tend to change a bit until they are eventually Norwegian tunes when you come into Norway. Mm. Uh, and it's the same if you go to in the directions of all, all countries. Uh, you find that in I mean, Germany and France, you have French folk music and German folk music, and in the middle you have, you have a bit of both, really, which mm. is uh, quite interesting. Uh, one of the few places where you don't have this so much, I would say, would be the border between England and Scotland from old political reasons, um, because the, the Eng- English folk music is quite different from Scottish folk music. Uh, I mean, or, or today, obviously, you, you play it at the same scenes and everyone is friends today and so on. Uh, but it, it's still uh, a bit of a sharp divide. There, there's an English bagpipe society, for example, that they don't have anything to do with Scottish bagpipes because they, they, they like to focus on the old English tradition of playing bagpipes in England, which is... Uh, presumably even older actually than the Scottish tradition mm-hmm. which tends to aggravate Scottish people if they hear that so I shan't talk more of that um, but it's so and, and this is much very much so the case with Celtic music and Nordic music that because you would have people going on boats across the North Sea from Norway Sweden mm-hmm. to uh, to the the east coast of England up to Scotland around to Ireland uh, all the time and and take the the music with them so you find these tunes which uh, travel tra- like traveling tunes which is is uh, really interesting and the further away you come from the coast in Sweden uh, the more Swedish, Nordic, it sounds, mm. uh, and, and and the further to the coast you get, you you find much more, many more tunes which have a, a clear Celtic influence. Uh, I'm not sure if it's, it probably doesn't work the other way around. So I wouldn't say that on on the east coast of of England, Scotland, you find Swedish tunes, uh, but maybe you can find ingredients. And the, there is a, a type of dance called the Swedish. On on the in the North English coast, hmm. which is exactly the same as the we have a dance hill called the English, oh. and the, and the, the the Scottish, which is a Scottish, the the Scottish uh, dance, which is like a hornpipe, uh, right. which typically a tune which like a sailor's hornpipe uh, type of tune that would have been brought by by, by sailors and uh, played by uh, musicians on in, in all. Uh, in, in in our respective countries in, in, in their respective ways so, and that's just that's very interesting so that's sometimes you call this music is called Keltinavian music then hmm. you have the Scandinavian and the Celtic music being mixed oh. so so that's it's, it's a big source of, of uh, uh, tunes and you can find lots of interesting things there where do you um, where do you gravitate to like in your the music that the music that you like you like polskas and uh, or do you? Yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah. I mean, I, I I really love Irish and Scottish and Celtic music as well. Um, but then I, I 
It's also maybe when I play abroad, it's there. There is always a big interest in in, in Nordic music, uh, and that's mostly what I do when I give workshops because there are not so many of of harp, us harpists from the Nordic countries who who um, teach that music. Um, so I, I sort of grown accustomed to. Um, and and I'm more familiar with that music because it's my own my own tradition here. So I'm I'm I know more about the different styles uh, of Nordic music than I would about uh, Irish music, for example. So yeah, I, I have dived dived into that uh, a lot, and and uh, I'm always looking for good tunes. And you mentioned so the polska, which is this typically uh, like a quintessential type of of dance in in Sweden and the Nordic countries. Which has a, a bit of a peculiar rhythm, like I mean, I mean, we have with the reel and the jig. They all have their own specific rhythm and tonality and so on. And uh, this, this, so the same goes for for tunes here as well. And we have the the polska, which is a type of of tune, which is uh, it's it's hard to generalize because there are so many types, different types of it, and it always tends to confuse people when I try to explain because you can play one tune and then I play another tune which sounds totally different, and I say, that's also a Polska. So that's, it's, 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 it's a long, long, complicated subject. Okay. Let's leave it at that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, because I, I read that Polska was one of your favorite yeah, no, it's it's, 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 it's yeah, yeah, my favorite. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a dance that it is so fun to dance it, uh, and there are many many types styles of, of dancing it and and also playing it because it it has uh, rhythm, yeah, definitely specific rhythmical aspects to it, which which uh, which are uh, makes it sound pretty pretty uh, special by its own, so to speak, and mm. combined with with a like Swedish Nor- Nordic harmonies, which mm. are uh, familiar enough for listeners to associate it with with Celtic music, uh, and not you know too out there if you listen to music from you know southern mongolia it's extremely exotic uh, and sounds an alien to us which is you know great in its own way and if, if that's what you're looking for but with nordic music it sounds sort of exotic but it still has the same uh, structure and tonality often that you find in music that you are would be uh, familiar with so if, if you're a, if you have played or listened to much of celtic music before uh so, so it's 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 a it's it's a way of for many people Nordic music has been a sort of way of expanding your Celtic repertoire. There are some Nordic tunes which have seeped into the Celtic uh, tunes that everyone knows. A few tunes, and uh, you know, there hopefully there will be more in the future. Hmm. So yeah, that's great. And um, in your fireside concert that you did with your harp. Your accompaniment and the way that you were phrasing that that made it just sound so um, different than. Um, you know, oh, cool. I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. Well, I'm, I'm glad you would say that because it's it's uh, uh, one of the thing I guess I try to do when I play. Uh, like, I mean, everyone knows the Carolan tunes and Irish music and so on, and 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 there are people who play them much better than me. So I, I just find it try to make it a bit of my own, and then I, I guess I. I include a bit of, of the, especially with the left hand, uh, like the accompaniment and the rhythms that I, I am used to from, from playing the Polska. Uh, it, it's uh, basically, it's a bit of a, when you play the Polska, it's a bit of a polyrhythmic thing. So you play three against two kind of thing. Um, and I, I, I just like to do, to do that in with some Carolan tunes as well. And 
maybe that's what 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 uh, sort of shines through in in the way I play that. Mm. I'm not sure, but could be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you have like a favorite? I, I know I wrote down the ones that you did, but um, do you have favorite ones that you did? Carolyn's Welcome and Eleanor mm. Plunkett. Um, I don't know if you. No, it, it, I mean it's it's you know all, all the tunes that everyone knows uh, who plays the harp, like She Begs, She More, mm. obviously Carolyn's Quarrel with the Landlady is another great tune, and and all these Carolyn's so and so. Carolyn's farewell to music is mm. this great, wonderful lament. Uh, so, that, yeah, no, I, I just, I mean, Caroline was one of my first. Uh, uh, the tunes I ever played on the harp was probably I would play "She Begs She More," probably, which was for many people the, one of the first tunes uh, I listened to. Uh, the great Breton player Alan Stivell, who uh, is still around, and makes a lot of concerts, but he was uh, back in the 70s when he sort of were one of the first to popularize Celtic harp, and he, he played a, a couple of Carolan tunes as well. Uh, and I just love that. So, so, um, and you can always find uh, new tunes in the, in the Carolan collection uh, of, of, of tunes, um, and also the, the famous tunes sometimes to you know, playing them in, in, in a new way because it's it's really, and I'm really happy when I find some tunes in Swedish tradition which sounds almost exactly like they could be Caroline tunes mm. because in, in the 18th and 19th centuries there were a lot of of um, sort of codification of the Swedish folk music uh, and it drawed very heavily upon uh, like the upper class music of the 18th and, and the 17th centuries which we would call Baroque or classical music today, and it was mixed in a very peculiar way with, with the the, the people's the folk music, which means technically music of of the people uh, themselves. They you would play for, for dancing and and you know very, uh, utilitarian music that would be used for, for a certain certain purpose, usually for for having fun, dancing, and so on. And they would be mixed in Sweden with a more sort of high strung, stiff up lip kind of. Uh, uh, aristocrat music which seeped down through the classes basically and created this interesting mixture of of a, a very popular type of tune with a sort of upper class idiom hmm. uh, that you recognize in, in the Carolyn tunes for example I mean he was also very people still argue about if Carolyn is really if it's is it Irish music or is it you know classical music in an Irish hmm. costume basically uh, and you can find things in Carolyn which are typically Celtic and things which are typically almost, you know, Baroque Italian. And, and that's, uh, I mean, you know, especially in folk music, you find this this mixture of, I mean, people say that folk music is thought of today as a very conservative uh, genre, where, but it, in history you would actually use, uh, folk musicians would be the first people to use music from other places and and the new new music they would play from other influences and and, and mix it up basically uh to, and and i think you should, you know, should keep doing that today yeah i mean i know like some historians from like ireland or scotland especially will go to the appalachians because some of the tunes oh, kind yeah. of were yeah. frozen in time there. There. Exactly. There you have a. That's one more can of worms uh, <laughs> with the whole wonderful Appalachian <laughs> traditions uh, and and the roots of bluegrass music mm. in Irish music and the immigrants, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I, one day I, I will try to just. Uh, 
because my, my mother actually moved to to North Carolina uh, many years ago near um, Asheville, pretty near, oh, uh, sure. close to Asheville, which is, you know, just in yeah. the foothills of the Appalachians. And, uh, you know, I just, I just want to go there and be there for, for a year and just meet all these great musicians and because that's one one part of the states which is uh, a bit like you find in Sweden in Dalarna which is uh, in the middle of Sweden where you know everyone has a fiddle hanging on the wall and you ask oh do you play the fiddle no I don't really play the fiddle but I know a tune or two and then you know they they can play it really really well and it's a bit a bit the same in in that region uh, you know up from North Carolina, Tennessee, and and where everyone is playing a bit of folk music, mm. but they don't think of it as as playing music. It's just something you do, uh, you know, second nature basically. And and so you find that same attitude, and also the tunes. I mean, some some tunes which are are exactly the same as we play here in in uh, in Europe today, that moved on to to America, and and that's uh, and and also and how how this eventually merged into you know modern American folk music is just. Very, very interesting. Oh, sure. Yeah. Mixing with all the, the blues and all the those different, you know, rhythms from around oh, the yeah, world, yeah. like the polyrhythms oh, yeah, yeah. from... Don't, don't get me started on, on jazz and blues. <laughs> yes, that's, so. you know, wow, that's the whole whole other ball game. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that there were, you know, the ethnomusicologists that came along and recorded a lot of that music, too, yeah, a lot of no, that absolutely. folk music. Yeah, and, 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 lost, and, so. and I, I'm not disparaging jazz music, on the other oh, hand. No, I mean, no, I, no. I, I, mean, I mean that it's, uh, that's, uh, you oh, know, no, it's so much... Topic, of course. Yeah, yeah. So much more complex history there, and it's it's so so extremely interesting. Uh, just and because I, I studied musicology for for mm. many years, so I in 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 uh, top of just lis- playing and listening to music, it's it's I take a certain perverse amount of joy in in you know um, uh, performing an autopsy on the music. Sure, it was. You know, just you know, <laughs> you crack it open and you see what's in there, and and. Yeah. 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 Oh, because you could go from the sociology, the sociological side of it to see like where it came from, or you can go just right yeah. to the music itself and see like, oh, that phrase is also in, you know. Um, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially with with folk music and and with early music, uh, would you find these all, all much out in more out in the open than with with uh, classical music, for example, which has been very you know um, uh, sort of uh, uh, over the years uh, drawn into a more uh, stringent costume, you mm. would say, um, what you can do and what you can't. But with with early music, which is what classical music used to be, I mean, early music today means basically music before the 18th century, basically, and and which includes much more of improvisation and uh, things that you find in in folk music and also in in jazz. I mean, mm-hmm. just improvising jazz music without improvisation would be, you know, it's not not jazz. And the same with with early music, if you don't without improvisation, and folk music too has has a big amount of improvisation in it. Uh, which, which you know, I, I think that classical musicians could could uh, could you know sure yeah, yeah. Good. well use, I mean use a bit more Mozart and Bach and Chopin oh, yeah. Yeah, they and were all, all they known were... for being amazing imp- improv- imp- yeah. improvisers yeah. as well as composers and and musicians up until the second half of the 19th century really were 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 expected to excel at improvisation as well as just playing music from from the written music right uh, just from a figured and, bass uh, like figure everything out so yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah 
Um, so it was interesting when I was listening to your ni- uh, Neil Gao um, lament for his second wife, which you say oh, is yeah, probably yeah. his fiddle, not his second wife. Well, it could be. Or, there, there's, there's a lot of uh, contention about what, what that means. So it's called the lament for his second wife. And I I, I, I just love that theory, which a Scottish, uh, maybe it was Rachel Hare who told who told that to me? It could be. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, wonderful Scottish harpist Rachel Hare uh, explained to me that it is probably because it, it could be that he meant he called his uh, his fiddle his second wife oh, okay. because he was married and then he, had, he was almost as much in love with his uh, fiddle as with his actual wife. Mm. So he called the fiddle his second wife, and then he he lost it or it got broken or or some something, and then he, he uh, wrote this lament to his fiddle. But I'm not uh, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if it's actually that. Someone told me that no 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 it's it's uh, something completely different uh it was actually his second wife which i'm I'm not sure but it's yeah neil Neil gow this very famous scottish fiddler with lots of great tunes oh yeah Uh, um but that tune has made its way into uh like performers like alison krauss have you know i oh really taken that and um there's a it's a it's a a song called uh get me through december and it's the exact same melody and everything too so yeah when i was listening i'm like wait a minute i'm like i know i have like yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So that's kind no, of the, the, like got its way. There around. are these, yeah. No, there are these these um, these uh, points of, of where you find the exact same tune in these different traditions, and, and then the whole scale from is being changed gradually to something else. But but uh, there is a, a, a tune called uh, a very famous. I can't remember what it's called in, in America, um, but it's it's it's, it's a waltz that it's uh, is being played in, in Sweden. It's note for note. It's the same the huh. same tune. Uh, and it's just when you find these, and and there's um, there's a famous Irish song called "The Dawning of the Day," mm-hmm. sure. uh, which we have a, a bridal march from the 19th century in Sweden, which is also almost exactly when we play that one, people think, "Oh, you play the Dawning of the Day." Huh. Uh, no, we play this old bridal march, which sounds like that, but it's it's note for note the same in in, uh, in parts of the music. So yeah. so obviously, I mean, there's been a lot of connections. Yeah, well, it's kind of like when I play, sometimes I'll play sessions, like Irish sessions, and I have some players from Ireland, they're in their, like, 90s, and they have just there so many tunes, and I'll say, what's hmm. the name of that one? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, or I'll say, oh, uh, it's, yeah. the name of this exactly. one is such and such, and they're like, no, it's not. I'm like, well, okay. Uh, there's there's <laughs> a, a great story about a really old fiddler in the back in the 50s, who, who he was in his 90s back then, so, uh, and sought after for, uh, by these, uh, as, as you mentioned before, these guys who went around the countryside with their uh, phonographs mm. and recording devices to, to record the old, the old ways of playing before they died. Mm. And there was a, a story about one, someone finding this old guy in the cabin in the middle of the woods and sets him down, puts a fiddle and, and so play me one of these, one of your favorite tunes. And then he takes the fiddle and he plays... Uh, and it says, I will play you a tune I heard on the radio. <laughs> and it plays a hound dog, Elvis Presley, <laughs> when, you know, as, as a polska, because that's, that's, you know, so it was just a great tune, and he just loved that tune, and he made, turned it into a polska. Uh, and, and he didn't care about the old music. Hmm. Uh, and it was mostly the guys writing down the, the write, writing the music who, who wanted to, they sort of, wanted to be archaic and old and the fiddlers and musicians themselves were more more uh, happy to play you know whatever they mm. liked and and that was often the, the newer tunes oh right the new style of tunes so that was like alan lomax and and, and oh yeah yeah exactly around, for so. a good, good example yeah yeah i mean I was, the uh, smithsonian has like the the folkways collection that you can listen to online mm. too so 
Um, he even he even recorded old um, trains, like the sound of different yeah. trains, too, yeah. <laughs> which exactly. is really no, neat. We, we, yeah, we had we had, because yeah, it was the most famous one. We had we had tons of of, of um, music musicologists like that in in uh, Sweden and Norway and Denmark who traveled uh, not not only here but traveled around the world. And there's heartbreaking stories about a guy going to Australia with his phonograph and and uh, um, recording uh, all these amazing old Aboriginal songs and everything and, and then he left his bag in the sunshine oh, and no. back then you did wax cylinder recordings and if you put that in the sunshine they all melt yeah. so he lost uh, lost a lot of them because someone put his bag out in the sun oh. <laughs> no you don't think of these things today or or, or or people recording tunes and they they run out of, of rolls because you can only record like two minutes mm. on a wax roll wax cylinder so then you would have to start to decide shall i uh, erase this cylinder so i can mm. play so i can record another tune which is you know a, a, you have to choose basically what to save for posterity which is a, a problem you don't have today when you just you know uh, purchase 10 gigabytes of space on uh, on itunes extra that is true so. <laughs> um do, do you have new like projects and recordings that you're doing too or yeah i mean one of the one of the things of this whole thing that we found ourselves in the middle of is that we we had a uh, you know a lot of time on our hands to do uh, to do the things that which which we meant to do for for a long time but never got around to do so uh, yeah like a new, a new couple of new well I, I say cds because i'm i'm, I'm very old but I, I remember when when it was really cool to make a cd now i, I guess you have to call it the recording instead um so so yeah a couple of new recordings with different projects and uh, i started to do a, a couple of new music books with uh, like to write down my arrangements and stuff oh great and uh, and also like uh, trying to get back to doing gigs again of course which uh, has to be a whole new type of gigs so i've been playing a bit for uh, retirement homes for, for elderly citizens and then we play outside uh, in uh, on the outside of the home of the mm. house and all the people are in their windows looking out and they can, they can open the windows and, and listen to us wow. on, a, on a safe distance basically so that's that's what we've been what we've been doing wow. uh, right now and yeah so well now for, for the when we play for um, for the retirement for, for the elderly uh, pensioners and so on we, I play music that they would like to hear which is music from the you know 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and and, and not the not they probably wouldn't like medieval music so much uh, so it's it's more like uh, so yeah there's a couple of us and uh, me and, and Anna and uh, two great singers mm. who, who front uh, two great actors that we work with uh, here in, in Sweden uh, so I, I get to play the accordion which is it's great fun I, I love playing the accordion but it's it's a it's a it's an instrument even more so than the bagpipe with a with a troubled history of of uh, social problems because when you play the accordion people think you are a sort of uh, well not everyone likes the accordion let's <laughs> not, not everyone have, have positive associations with the accordion like with the bagpipes most people tend to like harps uh harp the harp is usually popular uh, bagpipes and accordions can be a bit more of a divisive issue mm, i can't I imagine like i mean i'm sure there are accordion festivals but i oh, oh yeah yeah, oh. yeah. And, and they're huge i mean mm. in, in, in the midwest there are a couple of really big accordion festivals in, in the states mm. uh, and over here we have um, 
and they're actually in in Sweden they're bigger than the folk music festivals oh, wow. uh, but they have their own uh, audience so to speak they hmm. they cater to their own So is it own. just accordion or they have concertinas and they've got like melodians and they, they tend to have their own festivals oh, like they, oh, they have okay. melodian festival and a concertina festival and, and oh. And okay. generally in folk music, you have the, the smaller accordions, like the 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 one the yeah the uh, button single button row or two button row accordions are sort of considered part of of folk music proper. And then you have the the piano. And I, I play the piano accordion, mm. uh, which is considered more of a uh, not not a proper folk music instrument. It's more of a you know 1950s kind of uh, or. You dance would play the dance hall kind pol- of the polka and the, the waltzes on yeah, the dance hall music on that exactly. Right, right. Um, but but there are some, some really good players who play the piano chord and you, you can I mean you you can if you have a good good instrument and a good musician you can play anything on on anything really. So so I I, I try to play the uh, piano chord in, in a hopefully uh, nice way. Mm. So. Since we're com- we're getting more modern music, so yep. um, I I love your DJ Prohibition. Oh, um, thank you. Thank <laughs> so I remember you handed me your business card. <laughs> you with the yeah, you know, in Somerset, the, yeah, exactly. The Victrolas no, this is... with the you know, and yeah, no, 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 now we're getting into the whole you know, as I mentioned to you before, that you know, I'm I, I can consider, I try to pass myself off as being you know, amazingly versatile, and in fact, it's more of a confusingly paranoid thing. Um, oh, because I, I, I can't, I can't really focus on what to do. No, no, no. I so, think it's all entertaining um, through the ages. So I think it's you're yeah, just yeah, doing the, like yeah, dance right, music like, through uh, time. Yeah, that's right. So, oh. Yeah, because I, d- I did another podcast interview with uh, historical reenactment the other day, and um, I realized as we talked that I, I actually do. You know, I try to play music from the basically from the seventh century, like pre-Viking age, where you have, you know, the Beowulf poem and all these pre-Viking Anglo-Saxon things uh, with lyres that we talked a bit before, mm-hmm. uh, going mid- Middle Ages, Renaissance, Baroque, and, and basically up until the 1950s, uh, where, where my, my interests suddenly stops. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, so 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 I call myself DJ Prohibition and and do this thing with uh, where I play and uh, DJing on an old uh, like a crank wind up gramophone uh, with music from like old seventy uh, eights from the twenties and thirties uh, and of course no no, no rec- records with harp or bagpipes because doesn't doesn't really exist there are a few probably but I haven't found one so that would be really cool to sort of intersect that. But so this is more like jazz and and, and pop music of, of that time, which is you know very interesting, um, and and also with, with, the, with the whole social thing, which is like jazz music in the twenties, which was this whole new very provocative genre of music, which which you know uh, uh, aggravated people to no end, mm. same as as bagpipes and accordions. <laughs> so that's the connection. Like you know, we'll have jazz music causes the young people to to uh, you know engage in in horrible. Uh, um, uh, that thing, you know, that, that oh, yeah. decadence and yeah, and, and it's it's the cause of all all the the, the divorces of today. Mm. And you can blame everything bad on on jazz on the jazz, as, <laughs> as they said back then. Um, so yeah, I just love pointing out how, how silly all that is, mm. and and uh, and all and this great music. I, I love just love 
20s music, uh, jazz music from the 20s, Louis Armstrong and and Paul Whiteman orchestra and all these uh, wonderful old recordings. Yeah, yeah. So I, basically, I, f- I found a way of s- sort of monetizing my interest in in that I I had this old gramophone and this old uh, discs inherited by my grandfather or something, and uh, I started playing them, and then I, I sort of turned that into a into a show basically uh, and uh, and try to, to 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 make my living of of in part of of doing that as well so, well, I'm sure yeah. that whole steampunk movement that came yeah, around was like... The, uh, the steampunk thing yeah. and then the retro vintage, uh, I, I call it retrotainment, mm. uh, which is, you know, a pretty good description of what it is. Uh, so a, a bit of steampunk as well, occasionally, absolutely. And and, and, the, and the whole history, it's also a matter of recreating uh, the, the the past, basically. I mean, the, I mean, if I could, you know, choose any time, any place to live, I would choose New York in the middle of the 1920s. Hmm. Interesting. Because that's just one of those places in that's it's so amazing. Uh, I mean, you have other places in time also, which are very. But I think that's the New York in the twenties is, is the really so the jazz and the poetry and yeah the jazz age yeah, and, and this yeah. whole early twentieth century everything is reinventing itself and all this new technology that no one knows what to do with it's a bit like 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 now everyone mm. is learning how to podcast and to to um, to uh, uh, video conference and you know oh wow we can stream our concerts over the internet that's mm. that's amazing how how do we do that and it was the same in the twenties with with recording music and with with uh, with the video uh, on the in the, in the cinema and you get this wonderful thing called sound mo- mm. sound in the movies and no one really knows how to do with it what, what to do with it and, and the radio right. and uh, and then TV and all these amazing inventions that we take for granted now uh, which I mean one, one of the fun things is to to realize that the the way we treat technology is is basically exactly the same today as it was uh, mm. t- throughout history really it's just a matter of you look back in to the printing press in the late 15th century when when the first media revolution where you could distribute uh, first uh, uh, books obviously mm-hmm. and then in, in within a couple of months you had music broads, broadside sheets so you could distribute music and of course pornography yes <laughs> let's face it <laughs> one of the first ways to uh, to do you know to uh, use the printing press um, which made it take off uh, in, in more more ways than one, uh, and and it's just one of those you know you find this all through history. This the technology is obviously very different, but the attitude of the human mind never really changes. So and that's just one of the ways I like to to point out when I when I do my historical hmm. music things. That's fascinating. Do, do you also do piano playing for silent films too? Or I, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, I, I um, it's another of my my favorite. <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of favorite things. So I, I guess I should consider myself lucky because I get to do a lot of my favorite uh, things uh, what I like to do hmm. so yeah playing playing I started out playing piano um, uh, then I, a lot of years I didn't play the piano and I did other instruments like like the harp and the bagpipes uh, went back to piano and uh, 
yeah, did this whole thing where I, I play for for uh, like Chaplin movies and and Buster Keaton, mm. Harold Lloyd, this wonderful, yeah, uh, amazing. Yeah. And if you see them, I mean, you, you can find most of them on YouTube these days. They're being uploaded, uh, sometimes in really good quality. But the music is usually often just a, a track of of someone putting on, you know, adding a track of 1920s generic music mm. to it, and it's not connected. And it's, it's supposed to be improvised and really um, connected. And back in the day, I mean, you would go to the movies and and you would go you would get a totally different experience uh, depending on who was playing for the for the for the movie because of course each um, each uh, cinema of, of repute had a at least a, a piano player or some mm. of the big one in the big cities had had a full full orchestra sure sure playing playing written out arrangements and in in the 20s you find that the the, the film studios uh, they're not too fond of this whole idea that the, it's up to the musician to interpret the movie mm. with with music so they they use they start to hand out first written sheet music for for the musicians and then eventually of course uh, gramophone records that you're supposed to play uh, instead of of having live musicians so so this led to a interesting um conflict between between the the recording uh industry and mm. the musicians right, which right. today and you you think because old musicians want to want to record but back then you would consider this would be the, the recording would be a horrible thing because that is it's basically heralding the the end of of live music mm. uh, this this thing they they call actually call it canned music in theaters which was a, a horrible thing compared to having you know live musicians because the live a musician can you know interpret it in a different way and you could go to the same movie two times and you would get a different experience depending on on who was playing for it which is is kind of kind of nice yeah nice idea Oh, that's so deep. Do you do that often, or you don't do that that often? Not, not so much right now. I, it sort of goes comes comes in waves. I had uh, I mentioned that my my mom who lives in in um, North Carolina. She actually moved to the states twenty five years ago, and then she moved to L A. at first. So she lived in L A. many years, and I came over there to visit her. And uh, she, somehow she had a friend who worked in the film industry. And so I actually got to do this gig at the, the silent movie theater in Hollywood oh, two you? years ago. Uh, which was really cool. It was like a, a like a, a one man. Sh- it's the same type of man, one man show I do over here when I play the gramophone and I I, I show uh, I, I talk about the old ways of recording and and the musicians. Mm. There are so many weird stories about uh, what it was like being a musician a hundred years ago and and also then uh, yeah I play a bit of, of clips from silent movies and I play the piano so I, I got to do that in this authentic 1920s uh, silent movie theater in in Hollywood in the middle of Hollywood where they still uh, put on mostly uh, silent uh, movies and with with the, with accompaniment oh, so that, that was really fun I would like to do that more yeah uh, but of course, right now, cinema going has sort of taken a, a dive off the steep end. So yeah, we'll see true. what happens yeah, in the we future. Yeah, all the drive-in movies, theaters yeah, popping exactly. up now. So they have the giant organ, the pipe organ. Oh yeah, the, the, all the mighty Wurlitzer. Yes. These uh, amazing silent cinema organs with like eight different... Uh, keyboards and you could change the you know sounds of of and and sound effects you know gunshots and birds and mm. and everything it's just yeah amazing utterly amazing yeah. i would love one of those <laughs> i had a friend who who built a a room on the back of his house just to get someone was getting rid of a pipe organ so he's like great gotta build oh, really? a room oh my god wow <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> wow so, like of course you do yeah 
sure. Yeah, no, I, 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 could, I could see myself doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I, I get it. So, but um, I just thought your music for our plague seemed like you know that one album. That you oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly that's that's one of the one of the projects is this oh. whole uh, recording called uh, 1350 Music for a Plague, which is 1350, the year 1350, which when when the Black Death was was uh, uh, you know ravaging throughout Europe, and the last time we had a, a pandemic of any note. Well, mm. no, the last time would be in 1918, a hundred years ago, mm. obviously. But uh, the the worst one in history was in the middle of the 14th century, which everyone knows about the the, the Black Death. Uh, which uh, killed off, depending on how you count, but uh, one fourth or one half of the whole population of of, of Europe, uh, which is you know one of those cataclysmic historical events, which we, uh, for obvious reasons, got to think about uh, again, and so we. Um, we decided to put up a Kickstarter campaign mm. for for a, a, a recording, which would basically re- recreate the year 1350 or or the the nicer parts of the year 1350. We would leave out the boils and the leeches. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. Uh, <laughs> Because that's not, probably not what people want when they get a nice piece of music, um, but uh, yeah. So and 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 also because in these, I mean, again, I'm old enough to remember when you can actually finance a whole tour by just bringing CDs and you would sell them, uh, like this Pensic tour we did back in 2007 was mm. like the last year that was possible. So you would you would make a batch of maybe a thousand cds and in one week you would sell all of them and you would make a, a pretty good uh, deal uh, and of course today it's just not possible uh, one of the things that that annoys me to no end is i mean i love spotify as much as the next person to mm. play music but you have to think about the fact that in order to make as much money from one single cd sale uh, you have to to play about well you have to have like uh, 60 70 80 thousand plays to to a to a to to a, a song wow. on, on Spotify, which I mean, let's face it, most people like like us who play folk music, we're happy if we come up to a couple of thousand plays, mm-hmm. and then you're still nowhere near making uh, making as much money as you would on on a single CD. Wow. I mean, so that's I mean, I I, I sell our music mostly through uh, like on, on Bandcamp, where you can you download MP3s. Also because I'm so old-fashioned, so I like to have to own my music. Yes. Because yeah. again, with Spotify, you, you like you have an, a favorite artist, and then suddenly, the, the you know the deal is off with them, and they take away all their music. Uh, so I just like to own my. Mm-hmm. I, I, buy, I buy from friends and and, um, and and music I like. I tend to download MP3 files and and, and buy them buy them MP3 files instead. Yeah, well, so, uh, and that's what I'm I'm trying to do with the podcast is really highlight different yeah, artists exactly. so people can buy your music so yeah you know, and, and when you listen to streaming music i mean it, it's it's great as long as you have a connection and then suddenly you go out in the middle of nowhere and and you you, you it's no no good to, yeah, to, to yeah. with spotify anyway but so, if it helps you to yeah. introduce you to a new artist that you go out and buy their music so yeah um, exactly. but yeah, if you have the link for that ba- um for your yeah, um fundraising sure, yeah, the, campaign absolutely. too I'll put the, the that campaign is too, it's, so. it's 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 over now it ended in oh, okay. uh, in late may uh, and and we we uh, Reached the goal by oh, uh, I think we got like one hundred forty percent, one hundred forty percent funded, so a bit more really? than we uh, than we went for, which is you know, and and it was a great uh, surprise to us that so and so many people we had like four hundred fifty backers, 
which is pretty good. And half, almost half of those wanted a, a physical, actual CD. Hmm. So maybe, maybe they all they are also like me a bit, uh, a bit old old style that they want a physical disc to handle. And also because and, I, and we promised to make a really nice booklet with all the information. Right. Because that's another thing with when you listen to digital streaming music, you ne- you never get this wonderful little uh, printed booklet that you got with CDs, and you could read about music and you uh, got to learn everything about uh, the music. So, and and also I'm doing a, someone's idea on the Kickstarter was to make a hidden track or a, another rec- a version of the CD with a, with a, a commentary track, oh, like you would with a movie. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's pretty. It's, 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 it was a great idea. So I'm going to do. Um, you, you hear the music a bit softer in the background, and I will just do what I do now. Basically, mm. just jammer on about uh, histories about the music uh, and stuff that you can't put in the booklet because it will just be too long. Uh, so, so there will be a whole separate edition of the CD as a commentary oh, edition. Oh wow, that's terrific! And because there's so much you can talk about with the history and, and everything. Of course, and that'll be up on that's up on Bandcamp now, or yeah, not not not, not yet. yet. No, not yet. It, okay. it will be finished uh, later this year. Okay. Uh, so uh, we were supposed to finish it for a big medieval festival, which got cancelled, of course. Mm-hmm. So then we uh, not not in an immediate hurry anymore. So it'll be later in in, in the fall. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here with me. And oh, thank you for having I, me. It's it's been it's been great. I mean, to to uh, get to talk about what what, what I you know think is interesting, and uh, it's always uh, so you know it's it's great to meet people who are actually interested in in the same thing. Yeah, so. and and like I said, <laughs> I, I really I I mean I'm, I know my friends in the the SCA will be thrilled to hear everything that you have to oh, say cool. too. So cool. I really appreciate everything that you're doing and keeping history alive and making it. Yeah, really we would try, try to make it come alive and, and also yeah, to put it in, in a context that would be interesting also for, for people of today who maybe wouldn't think that enough folk music or harps or, or 14th century stuff. What, 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 is, what good is that or what, what does it have to do uh, with us? Uh, so that's, you know, if, if I'm um, successful in doing that, that's, that's a great uh, it's a great boon, and and I'm get very happy when when you say that. And also, and I I I'm reminded, especially in in, in these weird times when, uh, you know, money is being diverted to all, all kinds of other stuff considered more essential than culture and music and funding. Of, you know, we shouldn't fund the arts. The arts should fund themselves and so on. And there's a story about maybe it's well known by now uh, about Winston Churchill in the Second World War when uh, someone in in the government told him that he had to pull away all money from from the arts and from from the cultural sciences and put it all into uh, you know building uh, war machines and um, putting all into money toward towards the war effort and he he supposedly his answer was just that no we won't do that because you know if we took away all that we wouldn't really have anything to fight for which yeah. is, you know, a very good way of thinking of it, of it. If you take away all the money and thus killing all the, the live music and to propagate other aspects of society, I mean, in the end, you just end up with a society with, which will be a lot of, lot of much, not a lot of, a lot less interesting society. Yes, no, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. So, so um, that's, that's, that's my way of looking at it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, glad you agree. Yeah. Thank you. I hope in my small way I can help, you know, get people to realize that how important music is how theater oh, it's, and it's great I, I'm, so. I'm i'm very thankful for for you doing this and 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 for uh, you know calling on me and especially with with a nice uh, the amazing uh, 
uh, company of, of all these other great musicians that you have been doing this this series uh, of with. So I, I feel very humbled and uh, grateful to be here. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to Moon Over the Trees Music and Theater Productions podcast. Dive into the show notes at moonoverthetrees.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. 